and silver and bronze and all those different categories? Are you an Olympics fan? Do you have your favorites? Do you like to watch gymnastics or rowing or cycling or tennis or volleyball, canoeing, fencing, basketball? Then there's always those little odd sports that we've never seemed to even heard about that, that show up. But if you watch those, did it just sort of foster a sense of excitement and, and just sort of patriotism when you would see America win gold and you would hear the national anthem played there? Well, if you watched all those different sports, you probably know that in events like swimming or in a track and field where there's a race, always to start that race, they're all there, they're ready, they're poised, they're in that ready stance, and then there's that bell that rings. And that bell rings and that starts the race and they all take off and run. And we hear that we're just all waiting in that moment for that bell to ring. But then there's another bell that rings that you might be less familiar with because in a race where there are circuits or there are laps, at the beginning of that last lap, there's another bell that rings. It's called the bell lap. And that bell lap, when that bell is heard, that signals that the end of the race is near. This is the last lap. And when that runner hears that, hears that bell ring, it, he knows the end is near. The last runner, the, the runner that is in the lead, when that bell lap, when that, that bell lap, when they hear that bell ring for that bell lap, that runner that's in front, the other runners know, oh, the, the, the last lap is here. And when, when you hear that bell lap, when you hear that bell ring, is that the time for the runners to say, oh, I, I need to stop and do a good stretch to finish strong. Or I need to get a drink of water to be hydrated to finish my lap here. Or, or maybe I need to, to make sure my shoelaces are good and tied to finish. No. When they hear that bell ring, they push in and they stay the course. And sometimes if you talk to seasoned runners, they even somehow conjure up the strength of the energy. They have a burst of adrenaline and they run even faster during that final bell lap. When that bell is heard, it's a signal the end is near. Ladies, the book of 1 Kings opens with David rising up to run his bell lap. The end is near for David. The bell's been rung and the end of his, his race is near. I want to tell you that in our Bible study here, because some of you are new, we have a tradition here at Bible study. And when we open our study, we, we read a portion of the scripture that we're going to be unpacking, and we always stand in honor of God's word. And the reason that we do that is because it's, in, it's, it's to remind us that the text is, is, is from the word of God, that these are God's words that we are studying. So whatever you hear me say, know that, that I'm a poor substitute, but it's God's word that has the authority. And I was inspired to do this when I read over in Nehemiah chapter 8, that when the exiles of Israel were returning to Jerusalem after their Babylonian captivity, Ezra read the law, and as he opened the book to read the law, the people, the men and women, all stood in honor of God's word. So that's what we're going to do every week. So I was going to say, would you please stand in honor of God's word? But y'all were ready. You jumped up before I even asked you to. So I'm going to read from God's word. I'm going to read the first ten verses of 1 Kings chapter 1. And you studied this this week. But as I read it, I want you to think about this being David's bell lap and how he's responding to a challenge at the very end of his life. And it says this in 1 Kings 1. When, David, when King David was old and well advanced in years, he could not keep warm, even when, he put, when, he, when, he, when they put covers over him. 
So his servants said to him, Let us look for a young virgin to attend the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our lord the king may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful girl and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no intimate relations with her. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. So we got a few little details about here, about some, some fractions of some sort of dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional families aren't just new to the 21st centuries, are they, ladies? So Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zeruah, and with Abiathar the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, Shimei and Ray, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zoheleth near Enrogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah who were royal officials, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benaniah, or the special guard, or his brother Solomon. Ladies, thank you for standing in honor of God's holy word. You may be seated. Would you just pray with me now as we begin? Lord God Almighty, as we study David's response here during his bell lap, as, as the end of his life is drawing near, and as we see the choices that he makes, I just pray that it would challenge all of us and stir our hearts to be faithful for every leg of the race that we run. Thank you for those that are faithful, and thank you for all these things that are reported, recorded in Scripture, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We see poor choices David made, but we also see a man who was called a man after your heart. And Lord God Almighty, we pray that we as women would be found faithful, that we would be women after your own heart. Holy Spirit, be our helper, be our teacher, be our reminder to grab a hold, to receive, and then to grab a hold and take hold of everything you have for us today. And may we respond as women of God to say yes, amen, always and in always for your glory. In Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Well, the bell has rung for David's last lap of his life. And yet when he hears of this coup being, being planned and set up, this scheme of his son Adonijah, he's going to rise to take action. Now, we know that Adonijah, he's the fourth son of David. And as we studied this week, we learned that theologians and scholars think that he's most likely the oldest living son. Now, everybody knew that it was supposed to be Solomon. Everybody knew that. One of the ladies at the table I sat in on, when we compared David's anointing and Solomon's, pointed out that David's initial anointing was really just in private. Only his family members knew. I thought that was an interesting point. But here, everybody knew. And we looked up those verses that told us everybody knew it was to be Solomon, and that would include Adonijah. But Adonijah didn't care. He, he, he had sort of a 21st century mindset approach to life. He just decided, you just have to grab hold of with gusto and act like it's yours and grab a hold of it. So he's going to go in and take what he wants. He's showing himself to be the brother of his brother Absalom. And if you remember the story about Absalom from when we studied First and Second Samuel. But, here, but what we really want to focus on here is David's response. When he heard of that coup being planned by his rebellious son Adonijah, he, he got up from his bed 
He runs this last race well, and he knew who he could trust. That the thing about a good leader and a wise, godly man or woman, even if you're not in a huge position of leadership, is you've got some people in your life. You've got some folks that you can trust. You've got people of godly character that when life gets hard or, or you need some help, you know who you can call on. Have you got some sisters that you know you can call on? Have you got women that will pray for you, that will give you good advice when you find a hard place in your life and you need some direction? David had that. And, it, and he didn't just find it in that last season. It was cultivated from a life of living well. He knew who he could trust. So who did he call in? He called in Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. So as soon as he heard this news, and we studied how it came about, how wise Nathan was when he went in and sent in Bathsheba and asked questions in such a way that David would be made aware. Instead of laying down, David immediately took action. He got up from that bed. We know how advanced he is, how, how frail he is at this point. He'd lived a hard life, but he summoned it up. And he took action, and he knew exactly who to call. He knew exactly who to trust. You know, ladies, sometimes we're the David that needs to call on somebody. Sometimes we get to be Zadok or Nathan or Benaniah. Sometimes we, need, we, we get to be that woman that's called in to be faithful, to give godly counsel, to tell people, give people, give those sisters or people that need us godly counsel and pray over them. Not necessarily what people want to hear or what's expedient or even politically correct, but what is the truth? What is the truth and what does the word of God say? With David's instructions, and he immediately, he just acted like a leader here. You know, we see him when the book of Kings first opens, he's frail, he can't keep warm, he's on his last legs. But somehow he rises up and he took charge and he, he knew immediately what to do. This is a man of God. And his instructions are recorded in verses 33 to 35. And here's what he says. He just starts barking orders like the five-star general that he is. He says, take your Lord's servants with you. Have Solomon, my son, mount my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. You know, it's, he, he was not going to allow Adonijah to usurp the throne. David knew what God had foreordained. He knew what the plan was. And even in his latter days, he, he could have just said, well, everybody knows what's supposed to happen. I'm just going to let them figure it out. No, he knew precisely what to do. He knew who to call, knew who he could trust. He knew exactly what instructions to give. God had already foreordained. God had already indicated Solomon was going to succeed David. It was God's plan that David was going to fulfill. This had nothing to, nothing to do with David choosing his favorite son or anything like this. This man after God's own heart was going to fulfill God's plan faithfully all the way to the end. David refused to stay in bed and sleep away his bell lap. He chose to be faithful all the way to the end. He rose up from his bed to take action, and that's what leaders do. That's what men of God do. And ladies, that's what women of God do. That's what women of God do. So many, so many get to their bell lap, and they sit down. They stop for a drink of water. They roll around on the green grass. They drop out of the race early. They say, I've done my time. I'm tired. I've served. It's somebody else's turn. But not David. And girls, I hope not you and me either. 
I hope we're faithful all the way through, all the way to the end, even around that last bell lap. May we be found faithful. May we run our race well all the way to the end because here's our truth. If you're new to Bible study, every week we have a woman of God truth that we're going to share because that's who we are. We are women of God, and the woman of God finishes well. She's faithful all the way to the end. Whatever assignment God has for us, in whatever season of life we find ourselves in, may we rise up and follow in obedience and run well. Let's run hard the race that he has laid out for us. And when we hear that bell ring, let's not sit down, but let's run even faster, knowing that the time is drawing short and knowing that our time is drawing to a close. And may that just fill us with a sense of urgency and expediency to keep running. David finished well. And may you and I do the same. May we be found faithful all the way to the end. David not only saw Solomon crown king, though, he didn't just get him crowned and give those instructions and go back to bed. He prepared him to rule. And here's where I want to focus our time today, ladies. David's charge to Solomon is found over in 1 Kings chapter 2. Verses 2 and 3, here's what David says to Solomon. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that. Don't you love finding a so that in Scripture? If you've been with me any time at all, you know that I just, I just shake with delight and pleasure when I see a so that. Sometimes God just tells us because he's God, it's what we're supposed to do. But I love it when there's a so that. Maybe it's the two-year-old inside of me that just always wants to know why. And, and if you're a mom of raising two-year-olds, you get that why question a lot. And so we might say, why is it important to do this? And here we get a so that. So David tells Solomon, do all these things so that you may prosper. You may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. You know what? This, this passage is, is part of David's last words. And ladies, it tells us, we know that last words matter. Last words are important. Last words are weighty. The words that a father whispers in his daughter's ear as he, before he walks her down the aisle. The words shared by a loved, beloved mother or grandmother when she's laying on the bed in hospice. Th those words matter. They're important. And these are words shared by a king to a son as he's passing that baton of leadership. Last words matter. They carry weight. These words of David shared with Solomon fall into that category of last words. Because we learned in verse 1 that the time is drawing near for the end of David's life. So he, he wants to think about all that he needs to say to Solomon to prepare him well. David's life was ending, and he, he's setting Solomon up for success. He's leaving him his kingdom, his throne, his crown, his army, his treasury, everything that he's acquired. Everything to set him up for success. The land, the people, the legacy, the authority, all those physical resources are going to fall to Solomon. He had, him, he had him set up for success physically and financially and even politically. But his last words, they testify to what he knew Solomon would need most of all. That the thing that he would need most was to be prepared spiritually. The key to his lasting success and to a successful life and a life of prosperity as king, to reign as king over God's people, that's what we find here in these two verses. That's what we want to grab hold of. David's charge, recorded to Solomon in these two verses, is not just for Solomon. I hope you see that. 
these words are for us as well. As we grab hold of this, may it challenge us on how we're to run our, our bell lap or run every lap of our lives. It's not just for us. Not just for Solomon, it's for us. And it has four elements. I want to unpack these four things in David's charge to Solomon. He basically says to him, be strong, man up, know the word, and do the word. That's my summary of these couple of verses, the shorthand version. If you were called upon to share some wisdom with a young woman or maybe your daughter that you're mentoring, she's going off to college or she's about to get married, if you were on your deathbed, and asked to share some advice and counsel with someone you loved. Would these be items that would come to the forefront of your heart and mind? Would these be things that you would share with someone you loved as you were finishing up your bell lap? Good advice to release, and ladies, also good advice to receive. So let's unpack these four for ourselves, and let's pray that the Holy Spirit stirs up our hearts and minds to open up our hands and our hearts to receive all that God has for us, and then to live it out all for his glory. Number one, David said, be strong, be strong. And as David shares these words with Solomon, it, it resonated in my mind. It took me back to Joshua 1, and that's a passage you may be familiar with, spoken to Joshua by God Almighty to prepare him to lead God's people into the promised land. God said to Joshua, and by extension to all the people, be strong and courageous. And it's so important that, that he said it not once. When things are repeated in Scripture, we sit up and take note. But three times in Joshua 1, we see this repeated. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. I have a, a sweet young friend who lives in, in the Dallas area. She's a beautiful young woman of God raising three little children. And, and she has chosen this verse as one that she prays over her children. It's a special verse to her. And when I was visiting at their home in Texas a couple of years ago, it was such a great joy of mine to see, hear her little girl. I think Elizabeth was about four at the time, but she was praying, and she prayed in her little girl voice, help us to be strong and courageous. And I thought, wow, what a sweet, precious thing for a mother to have taught this verse to her children so much that, that, that it resonated. And she had heard her mama pray that she would be strong and courageous, and she was praying that for herself. You know, Elizabeth and her two brothers, they may not know completely what it means to be strong and courageous, but there's never going to be a time in their lives that they don't remember those words as something that resonates and something to be important. Those words are going to be in their hearts and their minds forever and even in their prayers forever because Emily has chosen to model that and to pray those over it. Let's choose to pray these words over ourselves and over our children and our grandchildren and those we love, asking God to help us be strong and courageous. You know, Joshua... When this, when this was written and he was equipped to be strong and courageous, he had a tough assignment. He was leading God's people into the promised land. Moses had forfeited that privilege and the baton had passed to Joshua. And he's getting ready to go in and take on the giants in the promised land. He's going to lead God's people into unknown territory, conquer the inhabitants there, and finally take the land that had been promised to God's people. But when we think about being strong and courageous, note the order here. And I think when we see a list any time in Scripture, even the order communicates something to us. It says be strong and courageous. So unless you have a lot of smoke and mirrors and you can fool people, it's tough to be courageous if you're not strong. If you're a weakling, it's kind of tough to be courageous. So God said be strong, and if we are strong then, perhaps it's easier to be courageous. 
you and I might not be called upon to be soldiers in a physical war, but the way weird things are happening, we might be. But make no mistake, we are soldiers in a spiritual battle, and we face it every single day. You know what I'm talking about. We've all faced it, right? We've been pressed down, hard-pressed. We're facing some stuff. It's been a challenging season for us collectively and individually. But even beyond the pandemic and the financial stuff and the cultural stuff, you got stuff going on in your life. You, there, there's a battle in your life as a woman of God. I know, I know that. Some of us have marriage trouble. Some of us have kid trouble. And whether you're, you, whether you're fighting your kids with a, a disrespectful or, or just a strong-willed child that you're trying to train, or whether you're a mama with adult children and, and you're, and you're just, just mourning over the choices they're making. You know, I've heard it said a mama is only as happy as her least happiest child. And, and, and every mom in the room, that you resonate with that. And, and so we, we press it and pray for our kids. We've got financial trouble. We've got medical challenges. We've got things that are so hurtful and so personal that we can't even share them. We're facing a battle. I know you are. But here you are being faithful, filling yourself with the Word of God. We face that battle every single day. And we're going to fight it because we have this Holy Spirit empowering us to fight it. Ephesians 6 tells us where our strength comes from, ladies. It sure did. This is the second time today, the mic, and that one is, is died too. I need some new batteries. So we're going to take pause here, ladies. I, I tell you, we're just going to assume that, uh, the whole, that, that the enemy is after us, but our God is greater. So we're going to change out these batteries. There are some should be back there charging, and I'm going to start bringing batteries with me every week because I ain't giving up. So Phyllis is on it. She's bringing me some new batteries, and here we go. Uh, have you got a microphone? Oh, and batteries. Okay, good. I'm getting this one out. Oh, sorry, ladies. It's interesting that it happened right when I'm talking about spiritual warfare and fighting the battle. Woohoo! Thank you, Phyllis. We're in business, girls. All righty. Nothing will prevail against us here. We don't have Anna here. Uh, her mama is filling in, and so we're trying to get the technology to work. Anna will have a heyday with all the bloopers she'll get from this. I'm going to share the blooper video with you at some point. Oh, my word. You got it? All righty, here we go. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. When we're told to be strong and courageous, we don't have to find that strength in our own ladies. This is where it comes from, from the Holy Spirit filling us with his power. If we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit as women of God, we are. We are indwelled by the Spirit. Then we have his strength. We have his power. We don't have to manufacture or conjure up any on our own. When we are strong in the Lord, we find our strength in his power. When you feel like there's not another ounce of energy in you that you have just no strength to put one more foot in front of the other, we, his power is made perfect in our weakness. That's where we find our strength. We can be courageous because we are strong in him. We just need to remember who we are and whose we are. Do you know who you are? 
Have you forgotten? You are a woman of God loved by Jesus Christ who died for you. He died for you because he loves you, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. He resurrected. He ascended, but he didn't leave us alone. He left us with the power of spirit. You are a woman of God and dwelled by the spirit of God. We can do this. We can be strong and courageous because of the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We are strong and courageous because we have the Spirit of God. Where might he have a strong and courageous assignment for you? Is he asking you to do a hard thing? Has he given you a tough job? You know, it takes strength and courage to love those that are different from you. If, if you're a Republican, it might be hard to love a Democrat. And if you're a Democrat, it might be hard to love a Republican. And, and it's true for vaccinated and unvaccinated. And it's true for black and white. And, and it's true for all those different things that the world wants to divide us. But as women of God, it's what unites us through the spirit of God. We can choose to love those that are different than us. We can choose to love the unlovables of the world. We can choose to forgive those that have hurt us. And sometimes even saying that, there's someone that comes to the forefront of your mind. Someone that has done something to hurt you. Maybe it happened years ago, and you're still just hurt, holding on to that. I want to invite you, sister, friend, to let that go. In the strength of the Holy Spirit, bring that to the foot of the cross and ask God to give you the strength that you don't have on your own to forgive that person and then be free. Have that weight lifted off of you. And, and for the first time, walk in years with the lightness that comes because you're not dragging that around behind you anymore. Life is kind of upside down, isn't it? Just watching the, 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 what's on television, just watching the commercials makes us feel like, what is happening? But God is still in his throne. The Holy Spirit is still indwelling us. We can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We can be strong. We can be courageous because of the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Secondly, David challenged Solomon. He said, man up. And we'll receive that as a woman up. In verse 2, he exhorts Solomon Show yourself a man, he says. Show yourself a man. Show yourself a woman. You know, sometimes the best advice that we can do instead of sitting around and wringing our hands or looking for one more self-help book or going to one more counseling session, and I'm not saying that counseling isn't helpful and good, and I'm not saying that there's a, not a place for, self, for self-help books, but sometimes we just need to woman up and get over ourselves. We need to stop being petty and easily offended. We just have to be, be, be blown up. We need to ask the Lord to give us the strength to just let go of some of that stuff, to pull in our antennas. Sometimes we go into a situation looking to be offended. We have our antennas out there scouring, just waiting for somebody to say something that's going to strike me wrong. You know, do you and I make little girl choices? You, you know, it, we can grow, grow older but just never grow up. Let's ask the Lord to help us grow up, to woman up, to show ourselves a woman of God, to let it go and get over it and just move on because we move on with him. Walk in the light of the truth that we have been given. I, I, I got to tell you, I have to eat what I serve on this one, girls. Know this, that every whatever I share, I've prayed over, the Holy Spirit has given it to me, but every single stinking time he says, Laura, you've got to learn it. You've got to eat what you're fixing up to serve first. And it is hard, but he's so good and he's so faithful. Paul in the New Testament 
absolutely agrees with what David says here in the Old Testament. Paul writes this over in 1 Corinthians. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Girls, is it time for us to put away some childish stuff? Is it time to woman up and behave like women of God instead of little girls of God? It's time for us to put away the childish things, to take our faith seriously. Because this world is getting dark and we need to stand firm as warrior women of God. We need to stand at the threshold of our house and pray against the wiles of the enemy, bringing that, that poison in through the television and through this weird thing. And we got to be women of God who know the word of God and pray it back to stand our ground against the schemes of an enemy of our enemy because he is an enemy and he comes to steal and kill and destroy and we're going to woman up and we're going to fight it and we're, we're going to say not on our watch, not with my family, not in my house. We're going to let go of the junk that doesn't matter and we're going to be ready to fight the battle. Just say bring it. We are women of God and we find our strength through the power of God. We're going to stop the gossip. We're going to stop being easily offended. We're going to focus on those things that are important and begin to make better choices because we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit indwelling us. It's time for us to be women, to put on our big girl pants and woman up and live like the women of God that we are. I want to challenge you to ask God for an opportunity this week to woman up. God, give me a, give me a big girl chance this week. Let me live out this truth. Show me. And, and, and when, when the Holy Spirit opens that girl, door, girl, you run through it. You know. You're, you're focused praying for it. So when it comes and presents itself, you think, okay, this is it. It wasn't what I was expecting. But I'm going to woman up, and I'm going to be strong and courageous, not because I have any strength of my own, but because the Holy Spirit is going to equip me and empower me to walk through that door that he is opening. Let's ask our Holy Spirit to be our helper, to teach us, to remind us, to walk out the truth that we are learning. In what challenge or circumstance are you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, ready and willing to walk through to walk out that truth because of whose we are. You've got to belong to Jesus for that to happen. Remember who you are. You are a woman of God, loved by Jesus enough that he would die for you. He died for you, and he lives for you. And because of that, all that junk that, that people want to attach to you and define you, you are no longer defined by your past. You are saved and redeemed and declared righteous in Jesus Christ. You are a woman of God indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and he is your helper. I love what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I've claimed that verse so many times, the one who is faithful, and he will do it. People who know me say, I know Laura. That's not Laura. That has to be God. There's no way that could be Laura, and I want more of that. I, I, I want less of Laura and more of him. I, I don't want my Laura to show. Nobody wants to see that. I want to... I want to Press her down and let the Holy Spirit in me to lead out. The next thing David said, he said, Solomon, son, you got to know the word. You have to know the word, and I believe you want to know the word. It's why you're here. Verse 3, David says, observe what the Lord your God requires. If you and I believe that there is a God who is powerful enough to create this world, powerful enough just by his spoken word to say, let there be, and he spoke it into existence. What a powerful and creative God we serve. Look outside. Look at what you see. He thought it up. It was the genius to think it up and had the power to speak it into existence. If that kind of a God has that kind of power, 
power even over death. That, that Jesus could be crucified and by the power of God come back to life. That's the God that we have the privilege of knowing and serving. If we believe that, if we believe that he knows us intimately, he knows everything about you, everything about me, and he still loves me, oh, honey, there's stuff I wouldn't want you to know about me because I would think you would run the other direction. But God knows all that junk, and he still loves me, and he still wants to be in my life. That's a marvel that's perplexing me every single day. And, I, and I'm grateful for it. I, I, I'll never get over the fact that God loves me in spite of me. If we believe that he is a good God, that he is good and loving and compassionate and merciful, but he also believes that he is a great God and he is righteous and mighty and powerful, how much truth is in that little child's, little child's prayer? God is great and God is good. All of the elements of his character wrapped into one, merciful and kind and loving, but powerful and mighty and righteous. If we believe that he is good and he is great and he can be known, then why wouldn't we want to devote our entire lives to knowing him more intimately and living for him always and in all ways? I believe that you want to know him. I believe that you want to know his word. I believe that's why you are putting yourself in the word every single day. And you have yourself in that seat today just to come and learn from your sisters in Christ and learn as we unpack this passage together. You're showing up. The fact that you are here and you have shown up says that you want to know the word, that you want to know what it is that God requires of you. David then tells Solomon, it's not just enough, son. You can't just know the word. And as we get to know Solomon in the weeks to come, we're going to find out this is a man who knew the word. He knew the word of God. And, and, and we are here because we want to know the word of God. But knowing it isn't enough you got to know the word, girls, and then we have got to do the word. We've got to do the word. That's what David says to Solomon. He says this, walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses. And here's another, so that, so that, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. So that you may prosper. You've got to observe it, Solomon. You've got to observe what's in here. You've got to soak yourself in the word of God and know it. But it's not just enough to know it. You've got to get up from reading it and you've got to go do it. So that you'll be prosperous. Prosperity? Sign me up for that. God, but as God defines it, exactly what, it's exactly actually what God told the people back in Joshua 1 when we read about be strong and courageous. It was so that you will be prosperous and successful. Be strong and great and, and, and be strong and courageous so that you will be prosperous and successful. But prosperity and successful are defined differently in God's economy. You know that movie that we love where they say, I don't think that word means what you think it means? Well, that's what we can apply here. Prosperity for the woman of God means something totally different than what the world would say about it. We have to know the word and we have to do the word. In the New Testament, James sort of echoes this idea when he challenges us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do the word. Live it out. Walk it out. Ask for an assignment. When we read a passage of scripture, we should look up to God and say, so what? How am I to respond to this, God? What do you want me to do with what I've learned? We can read it and we can memorize it and we can recite it. We can write it out, and thanks to Dayspring, we can even wear it, and we can display it, and we can eat on it, right? We can put scripture all around us. 
But, but what good is knowing it if we don't do it? we got to do the word girls. James compares it to someone that looks in the mirror and then does nothing. Do you ever look in the mirror and see this and then do nothing? <laughs> of course not. You're not going to look at that and then turn away and forget what you look like. You're going to be grabbing that tissue and, and getting rid of that smudge. Of course you're not going to see it and do nothing. And when we open up the word of God, it's like looking into the scripture and seeing where we're smudged. It's like looking in there and seeing something that needs to be realigned, that needs to be shored up. God shows us in his kindness, it says, that leads us to repentance, that we need a course correction. We need to allow God to show us where we cross the line and then run back into the safety. Those, his scripture provides some good, healthy guardrails for us. We don't need to, to resent the guardrails. The question is, do we trust him? And do we believe him enough to allow him to do that work in us? Will you and I receive and embrace David's charge to Solomon for ourselves? Are you ready, women of God, to be strong? Are you ready to woman up? Are you ready to know the word and then ready to do the word? Now, of course, all this is only possible for us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't obey God, and hear me on this, we're not obeying God and living out this truth to try to earn his love or earn his righteousness because we've already been declared righteous through Jesus Christ. We obey him simply because we love him and, and, that, and we've already been declared righteous in Jesus Christ. Girls, we're fighting from a place of victory. We're not fighting to take the hill. We're on top of the hill. The victory's already been won on Calvary's hill. The, the cross was the victory. We are, we are fighting from a place of victory, not to earn our salvation, but because we already are saved. We are women of God living for him. Paul says this to the, to the Philippians. I love these couple of verses. I love this passage. In fact, this is your write the word passage for this week. Every week, you'll notice that when you come in, I've got a verse of scripture up on the screen, and that's your write the word. And my challenge to you is to do that, to write it out. Over in Deuteronomy 17, long before there was a first anointed king of Israel, God gave instructions for the king. And he said this, when he ascends to the throne, he is to write for himself a copy of the law in his own hand. And when I came across that, I wondered, why would God think that was important? The king has so many responsibilities. He could just have a priest or, or a scribe or a prophet or anyone in his kingdom write the word for him. He can have a scroll with the word, with, with the word of God, one for each room in the palace, one for every day of the week. But no, God said he needs to write it for himself. And the reason I believe is because when you write it out, you're going to know it. And it's been my reality that as I write the word of God, it slows me down enough that I savor certain words. And I see things I didn't see before. So each week I want to invite you to join me in writing the word. And as you write it and God reveals truth to you, you're, you're going to be amazed. I know you will because that's what's happened to me. There's nothing special about me except the Holy Spirit. I just need slowed down sometimes to see the truth, the nuggets that are buried here. This passage I love. I have prayed this passage over my children so many times. And this is my prayer, Paul says. He's praying over the Philippians. And Laura's used it to pray over, over her wee ones that she loves so much that aren't so wee anymore. But anyway, this is my prayer, he says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, isn't that interesting? 
not your knowing or your study or your wisdom, but that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. This is a smart love that Paul is talking about. A, a, a love that, that results in knowledge and insight, that's a different kind of love. This isn't love like the world, the romance love, I love french fries, I love the movies, I love whatever. This is, a, this is a love, an agape love, a love that comes from God. It's a love that grows in knowledge and depth of insight. And, and the word abound, did you like to say that word abound? It abounds. It means it's, it's growing and it's expanding. My daughter-in-law shared a story with me this week. She was showing my, my two grandgirls, my two granddaughters, Charlotte, who's two, and Julia Grace, who is six, a video on her phone, and it was of a peacock. Because they had never seen a peacock, and she's showing them this, and they're watching it. And that little, that peacock, well, if you've ever seen a peacock, as it was opening up its feathers, they were getting bigger and bigger as they expanded. And Julia Grace, the six-year-old, who is a very interesting child, she is, she's one of two extroverts in our family. I wonder if you could guess who the other one is. And she's never met a stranger, and she, she's just like a little adult walking around, and um, and I, she, she, she likes to study the Bible with me when I'm there. There are just so many Julia Grace stories that are so fun. But she just absolutely delights me. But she, she's watching this peacock open its feathers. She says to her mother, oh, is, that, is the peacock's feathers going to engulf the entire screen? <laughs> and it, it was just the funniest little phrase coming from a six-year-old. It's going to engulf the entire screen. And ladies... I just want you to picture a peacock's feathers engulfing. And that's what God's love is going to do for us. It's going to abound more and more. God's word is going to engulf our hearts and our minds as we study to know him. May he completely take over. May he just engulf. And here's our so that. So that. Paul's praying this over the Philippians. He's praying that they would have this smart love that it would abound more and more, that, would, that it would engulf, and, and that's what we want, that agape love. And then he says, so that, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So in other words, you've got to know the truth, and then you've got to live it out. You have to be able to discern what is best, so to know it, to observe the law, know what's in there, Solomon, know what's in there, Laura, know what is best, and then do it. Be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So know what is right and do what is right. We discern what is best and then we walk it out in obedience. We have to be pure and blameless. But girls, here's the thing. Because of the gospel, we already are pure and blameless. We have been declared righteous because of Jesus Christ. We're fulfilling this from a place of victory. Look what Paul says here. You're filled with the fruit of righteousness. You've been declared righteous, and so this is the fruit that comes from that. You are already there. Remember who you are. You're not working hard and doing this in the flesh, in legalism, and just trying to earn God's favor. As a child of God, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you have been declared righteous. And so we're just going to walk out that reality of who you are in Christ. Do you know who you are? 
You're a righteous woman of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Live out that truth. Walk out the reality of who you are. Stop living under the pile and live on top of the mountain as the saved, redeemed, loved woman you are. Jesus knows everything about you and he still loves you and died for you. Do you know that you have been declared pure and blameless in him? He has saved us from sin. We've been declared righteous and now we get to go forward. He didn't just save us from the sin. He saved us to do that U-turn and to walk forward with living out the fruit of righteousness. All for the glory and the praise of God. Do you know who you are? Do you know him? Are you a woman of God? It's not what you do. It's who you know. And I want to ask you, I'd love to take each one of your hands in my hands, hold your cheeks and look you right in the eye and say, do you know my Jesus? Have you committed your life to my Jesus? Have you confessed your sin and received the forgiveness and the cleansing that only he can give? Do you know who you are? Are you that woman of God? Have, do you trust him? Have you placed your faith in him? Ladies, what lap are you running? What lap are you running? Are you a young woman here today training up your babies to be strong and courageous, raising up men and women, little girls and little boys that are grow up to be men and women and warriors for the kingdom of God, praying that they will have that smart love, praying that they will come to know him and live out truth and righteousness. Are you a middle-aged woman just still running that race, trying to be faithful, allowing the love of God to engulf your heart and your mind? just to abound more and more, keep running your race well. Are, are you an older woman, maybe a grandma or even a great-grandma, and, and, and you're, you, you feel that your bailout might be approaching, and, but, but, you, but instead of laying down, you're sensing an urgency to run faster, to leave a legacy, to even reach out to those women running behind you and, and spur them on, your, your cheerleader and runner. You're saying, keep running, keep going, keep living for Jesus. It's so worth it. Because, girls, we just want to pray with, with, with Paul. Let's let our love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Jesus, give us that smart love so that we can discern what is best. We, we live in a, in a world and a society where we need some discernment. We've got lots of competing messages. People throw in stuff out there, and it's only the Holy Spirit that can give us that discernment. We need the Word of God to help us separate the bad from the good and the evil and the wicked from the from the good and and even the separate the good from the best what is god's best for us we want to be able to discern what is best and then we want to be pure and blameless until the day of christ we're going to be pure and blameless filled with the fruit of righteousness because we already are righteous and so that we can walk in being blameless and pure until that day of christ through jesus christ and why to the glory and praise of God. Are you ready to be strong, to woman up, to know the word, to do the word? Are you and I running our race for his glory? The Apostle Paul compared his life to a race when he said this, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Will you join with Paul in saying that my life is worth nothing? Nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Have you experienced the good news of God's grace? Are you proactive, intentional, lovingly testifying to the good news of God's grace? Are you praying and looking for opportunities to speak a word of testimony, to brag on God in your life, to speak the word of truth, to fight back the powers of darkness? Ladies, let's keep running. 
Let's keep running for his glory. And we hear that bell ring, let's run even faster. Let's be women who, who choose to be strong, who woman up, who know the word, and who do the word all for his glory. Would you pray with me? God Almighty, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sin. Thank you that because of your sacrifice, we don't fight to become righteous. We don't work and perform to become righteous. Because of the sweetness of the gospel, we have been declared righteous through your sacrifice. Thank you that we walk out this truth from a place of victory. You will do it through us. God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, let us be hearers and doers of the word. Let us be women who choose to be strong. And we know we have no strength on our own. You know who we are, God. You know how weak and fearful and insecure we are. But in your strength and in your power, we can be strong. It's a miracle. It is amazing to know to know ourselves and know who we are, but yet know who we are because of whose we are. We belong to you, and Jesus, because of you, can, we can be strong. Help us to woman up. Help us to rise up from our beds and run our lap well, whether it's our bell lap or our first lap, wherever we are in the race. Let us woman up and run. Let us be women who know the word, who love the word, and who choose to do the word. All Jesus for your glory, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Ladies, have a great week. Oh, and small group leaders, if you'll be sure to bring your signs and your envelopes back up to this front table before you leave that great.